welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 137, part two of the talk given by Bill Hipsch, entitled, What Does Pope Francis Want For Us? We have a resource, uh, which I've given you actually a copy of, and you're allowed to reproduce this as much as you want, called Ad Sum. Ad Sum were the words that Mary had uh, on her uh, lips when the angel said to her, Will you carry the Lord? Will you bear him? Will you be intimate? Can, in, in pregnancies, a pretty intimate moment <laughs> with someone. You, he, you know, and she said, yes, ad sum, I am present. Just take this flyer for a second. You've had one on your chair there. I have to put my glasses on. <clears throat> you have it. No, yes, it's, it's, you see, it's a little th- this little thing right here. It says ad sum on it. Do you see that? Do you have it? Does everybody have this? Was it on your chair? Oh, you have them. Okay. So I've given you the five kind of steps that come out of joy of the gospel regarding this whole idea of turning your heart. That's how important this is. First of all, number one, do you believe that God loves you and is always ready to embrace you? That's the bot- that you have to come to believe that. This is the prodigal father waiting uh, the father waiting for the prodigal son. Uh, always waiting for you. So in a certain sense, Jesus kind of waits for you. Then number two, be aware going in that we are sinners. This is Pope Francis. I, when they said to him, who, who are you? He said, well, to start with, I'm a sinner. And I have to tell you that when you get to that level of faith, that awareness, again, admitting that, I know we, we admitted in, in the sacrament of con- reconciliation or confession, but admitting that to Jesus in prayer or to each other, that's very tough. Again, it's so intimate. Number three, being aware that only Christ's self-giving love on the cross opens the door to save us from ourselves. That that, that, that self which we are called then to imitate. And so here's, I've given you in blue on that third page the, the prayer. Pray this, Jesus, I turn my heart toward you now. I know you receive me with open arms, even though I am sometimes very selfish. Your forgiving love stays with me. Then the Pope's words, Lord, I have let myself be deceived. Take this home with you, my friends. In a thousand ways I have shunned your love, yet here I am once more to renew my covenant with you. Isn't that lovely? Take this prayer home and learn to pray this. And then, of course, four and five, but we're not going to read this together, but five helps us understand how we sustain this through the liturgy and life in the church. Uh, Okay, so that's all all, all I really want to say about that for the moment. Okay, this is one fold, and uh, as I say, you're allowed to reproduce it. Make a copy for each of your family members, whether they come to Mass or not. Uh, Keep it in your purse or in your pocket. Take it out as you learn to pray, as you learn to turn your heart and have a renewed personal encounter with Christ. Make sure that you, that the, that you are following this sort of thing, knowing that he loves you, that he walks with you, that he forgives you endlessly. Okay, so are you okay? Yeah. All right, so that's something, isn't it? What do you think about this? You like it? Yes, yeah, so, so far it's been pretty easy. But, but seriously, it's going to get tougher. But, uh, 
But, but isn't this lovely to have this opportunity really to do this and to be invited? I, I, just, I know other popes have said this to us, but no one has said it with quite the same, you could say, power, or nobody has spoken quite to our hearts uh, about this as, as we have here. And, and actually, throughout the letter then, uh, if you're in the room and you're a priest or deacon or a lay preacher, every time you get up to, to preach, uh, he, he tells you later in the letter, the first words on your lips should be these words. Jesus loves you, my friends. He gave his life for you. He's waiting for you to turn to him. He forgives you no matter what you've done. Nothing can separate you from his love. He wants to walk with you. Turn your heart to him now. And then now, here's my homily. And he says later about teachers and catechists. The first words on the lips of the catechist and teachers should always, to the students, on every topic, the Trinity, the sacraments, morality, whatever the topic, first words should always be, Jesus loves you. He, 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 he gave self-giving love on the cross for you. He wants you to turn your heart to him now. He wants to walk with you in your life. Turn your heart to him. Now let's look at the Eucharist and talk about. So those, the Holy Father is directing us to keep this core message. It's in Greek, there's a word for it. It's called kerygma, uh, big word. I'm not big on big words. But anyway, he, this, he said this always has to be the first word. These always have to be the first words on our lips every time we speak. So this morning with you, that's, that's been the plan. Any comments? And what do you think of this? Anybody want to comment? Any questions? I know I'm asking a question, which I was told not to do. So we'll, we'll just go on. And, okay, yes. Um, I, I love everything you're saying. I um, identify with all that you're saying. And uh, it's, we've come a long way. We're not, we don't hear this kind of... Sure. In seeking to understand where he's coming from, because he right. loves a person. Yes. I use the phraseology, I am a loved sinner. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So, very good point. So she said they've come quite a long. I'm repeating for the tape and all this kind of thing. They've they've come quite a long ways. They're not from Plymouth. They're from another diocese, which will go unnamed on the tape, and they um, <laughs> and from a parish where their parish priest tends to focus only on the fact that they are the sinners, and doesn't give enough attention to the fact that beyond being a sinner, yes, that's part of the message. It's number two. But uh, there's much more. So she said, we're here, we're happy to hear this good news. And you've heard Pope Francis say, and he says in this letter repeatedly, don't focus only on the sins of the sinner. Actually, Vatican II said this in the document on liturgy, in the article on the reform of the sacrament of penance or confession, it says that the sacrament should be reformed with an eye to the mercy of God rather than to the sins of the sinner. Amen. Amen. This is a huge change for I grew up in the 1950s. I'm an old guy. And um, I I have to tell you, this was the focus was on sins. Do you remember that? Yes. Especially things like eating meat on a Friday. Those big things. And um, (laughs) you went straight to hell if you died in a car crash. My mother reminded of this every time we left the house on a Friday afternoon. Seriously. You know, I used to think to myself, you know, if you're going to go to hell for something... (laughs) You don't want it to be meatloaf, you know. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because for eternity, all right, 
the really big sinners would be coming up, they'd be saying to you, now how did you get here, you know, and you'd have to say, oh, I had meatloaf, I mean, that would be hell, I mean, for eternity, you'd have, this would be, you know, but anyway, I got off my point, sorry, but the, but, um, so the focus, so the focus shifts, yes, we are sinners, she said, I am a loved sinner, yes, indeed, and a forgiven sinner, and even in, and so am I, and I'm your minister this morning, your presider, or your, your homilist, or your teacher, even, and many of you share in this ministry in your own parishes, and even in the midst of your own sinfulness, even in the midst of that, this is the miracle of this, you still are called. In a certain way, your very sins become, could become the tool or the building block on which grace is realized in your life and then shared with others. And knowing that we have that gift, that is good news. Isn't this great news? I mean, really, I, I can't think of anything better. And it is a great source of joy. I, I'm probably overly joyful, actually. I was last night, but then again, there was some wine involved. But anyway, no, no kidding. Okay, so thank you very much. That's a very good point. Anyone else have a burning desire to speak? All right, the second thing he's asking for, and this is laced throughout this letter, is that we speak about the happiness that we feel and not sit on it, that we, not, that we, that we actually speak about it, which I know is tough. We're reticent to talk about our faith, aren't we? No, we don't, but we don't want to be a, a holier-than-thou, or we don't want to be some, you know, door knocker who comes in and asks you if you found Jesus, even though he's not actually lost. And uh, so, you know what I mean, though. I mean, we just don't want to, we don't want to be perceived that way, or we don't want to be perceived as religious sometimes, or sometimes we just don't even want to be known as Catholic. Isn't this true? I mean, you get, there can be these moments of embarrassment, or the church isn't perfect, and we're in it, and we're not, therefore it reflects on us, and we think, well, you know, and you're at a party, and it comes up about the divorced and remarried, and they say, well, why don't you people treat them? I mean, you know, and you get this, and so it's, it can be tough. It can be tough. And so I, I just say, um, uh, but, but, the, but the letter asks us to do this and, and to find the moment when, it, when, when we can actually speak about the happiness that we have. And uh, this is what we will, this is the, the goal of our lives in a certain way is to share this good news now. We're sent to share it and the, the sending wasn't to the bishops. It's not the bishops who are sent to share the good news. It's not even the parish priests or the deacons or anyone else or the diocesan staff except for David Wells. It's, he's, sent, he's sent to do everything and I'm, I'm wishing he would come and clean my house and that's the, I keep waiting for him to come. But anyway, he, he um, so, but we are the ones, actually, and to tell people about what we experience here. That's, that's what he's asking us to do. Um, this is where we will be, this kind of closes the circle for us, he tells us. So this experience that we have, and, and, and it comes in many ways. Um, when you put others first, when you give up your own time, as many of you do all the time, when, whenever you, you give away your money, it's tough to give it away, but when you do that, when you, when you take the part of the poor, even in a culture that rejects the poor, legislates against them, claims that they're lazy, fights them, 
keeps them poor in a certain way. Even then, when you take their part, you know, you're, you're the, you know, suddenly now in these moments, you actually are expressing your faith. This is one way, Pope Francis says, that we can do this. And so all these actions, these are ways we can do it, but there's more. We have to be really ready and willing to say a word about our faith. And we have to be ready to get up and say it. And that's what he's got. If we've received this love, which restores meaning to our lives, why wouldn't we want to tell others about it? So his point is well taken. If you're kind of a lackluster faith person, you don't have a desire to speak up. But one, I have to tell you, this has changed my, this whole thing this last year has changed my life because I was, I had faith. I mean, I prayed, you know, we all did. And, but suddenly now this intimacy with Christ as it grows in me, I really want others to, to share this. And the, the way to share it because, it's, it, because it has restored so much meaning to my life, I want to share it with others. That's his point here. So, um, you know, he wants us to be humble. He doesn't want us to go out there knocking people over the head with a two-by-four. We don't want to, you know, chase people away, anything like that. So, but the words will come when the moment is right. You'll, the, an instance will come up. Not very long ago, uh, we had some friends sitting on our front porch drinking a little late-night glass of wine with us. And uh, we, I don't think these people go to church ever. Uh, and we're sitting there chatting along, and it comes up that uh, one of them, their granddaughter, the two of them, their granddaughter is very sick, maybe cancer. They're not, they, weren't, they were waiting yet to hear the final word, but it sounded very serious. And they were really struggling with this. So as we chatted about it, we talked about, we didn't, we did not do, this is what we did not do. We did not say to them, oh, let's pray for your granddaughter. If we had done that, they would have run from our porch and never come back, right? We did not say to them, oh, you, if you went to Mass, things would be better. <laughs> you know, why don't you go to Mass once in a while? You know, that, that doesn't work, does it? No, no, don't do that, okay. So what do you do? Well, here's what happened. We told a little story kind of between us, we always finish each other's sentences, a little story about a niece of ours who was very sick with cancer and what happened in our family when Sister Rosie came from the parish one day to visit us. We just told us a little story. And we, said, we just said, Rosie got us all in that bedroom. We stood around that bed. I'm not quite sure what happened, but gosh, we all came out of there feeling so much better. That's all we said, just a little story. <laughs> Later on, I'm, I'm making the salad. I'm at the sink, and uh, uh, Nancy, the, Alan, Nancy, these neighbors, came, she stood right next to me. Her hip was touching my hip, and she said to me, you guys are really excited about your faith, aren't you? I said, yeah, we are kind of. We really, we, you know what? That's all it takes, isn't it? The Holy Spirit has opened the door. A window's open. You don't have to do any more than you have to preach. You don't have to give a catechism lesson. You don't have to say any more than that. The Holy Spirit will work in that heart, and you've given the witness. That's all the Holy Father wants you to do. He actually gives it a name. He calls it um, informal preaching. He doesn't want you to annoy people with faith. He just wants you to mention faith. And so that's the key. 
So yes, he says, speak and, and be careful. He's saying this. Yes, speak about repentance. There, there are sins. We're all sinners. But he says, speak more about charity and love. Amen? This is very important. We're not going to throw the book at them. Uh, and you know these people I'm talking about that he wants you to go talk to. And by the way, you're the ones the Holy Father has named to go. This is not the job of the parish priest. You don't need permission from the bishop or anyone else. You know who these people are. They live in your house. They live down the block. They're your friends and neighbors. They're the ones you send a holiday greeting card to. Okay. But so he's saying to them, don't start out with repentance. Start with charity and love. He's saying to them, yes, we probably should talk about church law, of course, at some point. But first, talk about grace. Because grace, you don't know in a person's life. You don't know that couple divorced and remarried your brother and sister-in-law. You know, you don't know what went on in that house. You don't know what happened there. You can't judge. Who are you to judge? So yes, church law, but first, grace. I, I can't tell you how many remarried couples I know where the second marriage was the real holy bond. I mean, I have this brother, and honestly, um, uh, they've been married, I think, 50 years. This is the second marriage. And they have, I think, 16 grandchildren. Uh, and the first marriage was 18 months, and it was a bad mistake. Do you know what I mean? So who am I now to judge that? And I know if they went for an annulment, the church would defend that first bond. Yikes. So they're not going because they know that after 50 years, what they would like to do is come back to communion before they die. And they're looking for a pathway and they're having a hard time finding one. But uh, it, 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 yes. I, I have um, a sense that I believe that God is real and everything else. But there are some people who don't have a gift of faith. And are we forgetting that faith is actually a gift? Faith is a gift indeed, right, but no, we're not forgetting that, I don't think at all, no, but by, uh, but the, how does the gift come? How is it given? It's not magic, it doesn't drop out of the skies. Oh yes, but it comes through, this is the incarnation, we don't live in an age of magic, it comes through people, uh, or events, or situations in, in people's lives. And in those moments, God acts through what's going on to offer people the gift of faith. And it's offered to everyone. The gift of faith is offered to everyone, uh, universally, uh, at the moment of conception, really, which is why we speak uh, so clearly about life. Uh, so we actually believe that the gift of faith is offered to each person. Nobody is not offered this gift. That's two negatives. But um, that, so quite seriously, now not everybody responds in the same way to that gift of faith. But one of the things we do, we open a door when we share a, our own experience of faith. We open a door of faith for someone else to walk through. And opening those doors is the key. So uh, we shouldn't assume that people don't have the gift of faith.
So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey, to maximise your potential, to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.